and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, we're going to blow up some guns. Blowing up some guns. And experiencing some homosexual love. Will we talk about 1961's The Guns of Navarone? But before we get started, how is your week? I'm just amazed that that anybody would refer to this as like homosexual love. It's funny. They love each other. Well, I've seen the film when I was a kid. It was... I'd seen it a number of times, and it's considered widely considered one of the best of the war movies, but there are so many homoerotic undertones, but they never come out and say what's going it's on. It's not so, erotic, it's love. Right. Uh, it's love. Not, that's true. But how was your week? I had a birthday. <laughs> you had a birthday. And I had a really good time. I had a wonderful gift from my friend Alan Dillard, who, um, under your guidance, under oh your permission... I asked nicely. A wonderful portrait of Kojira Sama rising from the ocean, covered in lightning. And it's right here behind me. I still don't know where to put it. On the wall is where Possibly you put right it. Possibly right behind where you're sitting. I like this plan. Um, yes, let's do and it. And then I had uh, lunch with them. Mm-hmm. And then we had dinner last night, me and, <clears throat> and you and my kid. Yep. And uh, my roommate. Um, slash ex-wife, yes. Right, slash ex-wife. <laughs> I never know what to exactly refer to her as, but we had um, we went to a Brazilian steakhouse. Yep. And there was this enormous buffet. Yep. With, and then they also cut the meats off the off yes, the swords with this. Uh, yes, it's on the edge of a sword, and they come with this what looks like a a hunting hanger, and they put this spit on your table. Is in this porcelain receptacle, and then they just shave off slices of meat, and it was amazing. And then you made a the best cheesecake I've ever eaten. He always says that the cheesecake that I just made is the beast, the best one he's ever had. Beast cheesecake, the beast one. So you said that about the German chocolate cheesecake I made last uh, Mm -hmm. October or so. I helped with that. And you said it of this white chocolate raspberry cheesecake that I made yesterday. Okay. So, (laughs) you can't be trusted (laughs) in matters of cheesecake. The most recent one is the best one. (laughs) Well, this one was, the reason why I say it's the best is it's very, very light. It is. I managed a a lightness. A lot. And so it's very airy. uh, Yeah, I just got myself a, a great big slice coming home from work. And now I want to take a nap. But instead, we're going to review The Guns of Navarone. The Guns of Navarone. When I was a kid or younger, I thought that this movie was a Western. But it is not. It is a World War II epic mm-hmm. starring Gregory Peck, Atticus Finch himself, and also a thousand other men. It's like the night of a million stars, this film. And two ladies. Right. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I was... Doing some research, the novel by Alistair MacLean, yes, that it's based on, has no female characters. Oh, cool, gross. Um, it was well, no, I mean it was a World War II film. I understand about World War II. But here's the cool thing about um, that: there were women in World right, War II. And this is why um, apparently uh, the screenplay writer Carl Foreman, yes, decided to include these two female characters that first. Um, Audiences assumed this was going to be the love interest, which they 
they kind of are to a certain extent, but not in any kind of. It's it's not the film is not about the the, the film's not about that. No, right. But, but yeah, he wanted to include the idea that he had seen or heard of uh, female resistance fighters. Of course, all over the. You can't world. have a resistance in any war without women. Right, and so you just can't. It, Sorry, it wound up going well. Why don't we include them as part of the story? So yes, yeah, but they do one of them dirty because mm, one of them does hurt. Because the, uh, is so is there's a traitor in our midst mm-hmm. who does happen to be a woman. In the book, do you know? Is it a man? It's, the, it's just it? it's the yes, same kind of similar. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, all right. So you're gonna do the lead on this synopsis i think let's start with this uh came out in 1961 as you said it was um based on a 1957 novel the island of navarone is fictional (laughs) yes very much like our last film that we reviewed people have gone on thinking this is an actual true story it is not it is not it is not true um but it is a good story Mm -hmm. uh and so what we have, this feels a little bit like uh, Suicide Squad or something like right. that, where they're just like, um, so we have this thing. <laughs> There's no way to do it, so I'm going to need you to go do it or right. die. One of the two. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, yeah, so I leave it. And, and I remember that when we first saw it, it was for Father's Day. Yes. Last year. Was it for Father's Day it or, for or Father's your birthday? Day. Okay. And we went out and got Mediterranean food. Appropriate to watching That's this film. Right. Um, well, that place was good. What's that? Well, that place was really oh, good. Oh, yeah, it is good. And so we got Mediterranean food. We ate it. We watched the movie, me, you, and and, and Stephanie, my ex-wife. And we, um, yeah, it was a really funny sort of experience. It was an immersive experience. We're eating the food and watching the, the characters. Which is a thing I like to do. The mm-hmm. first time I watched The Godfather, I made spaghetti and meatballs, mm-hmm. which... Might be an affront to the Italian people, but I don't care. It's what I wanted to do. Um, so this, I will say, this watch I had to do over two days because mm-hmm. we started watching yesterday morning. And for whatever reason, I was exhausted. And there's long stretches of no dialogue in this right. film, which when you're watching it is engrossing unless you're tired. And then your eyes close and you go to sleep. So I did have to finish watching it today. Uh, which was fine because I'd already seen it, so I had a, a framework to put it on. Um, and I didn't mind rewatching it this morning because it's quite good. All right. Yes. So the story starts with the narration of James Robertson Justice, which I think is a wonderfully gifted actor with a deep voice and a wonderful name. I dislike that. A, a man who is both a character in the movie who we see, and uh-huh. also his credit is. Narrator, and I believe which that is wild. That happened because the producers were probably concerned after the fact they didn't want to give a real person a well, real name. Well, the, the, they were concerned after the fact that people wouldn't understand exactly what the stakes were because they go over the the what is the issue uh, over the uh, the length of the film, but at the same time, if you're not really paying attention, you're like, wait, why are they? You know, of course they're there to blow up the guns. But the plot hinges on the idea that in the 19, in 1943, the Axis powers found an assault on the island of Karos, and there's 2,000 British soldiers there. Yeah. 
It's the Greek islands, yeah. And uh, they're supposed to be rescued by the Royal Navy, but there are these two enormous guns. Um, it's based, it's inspired by a true life incident in which the guns were much smaller. Okay. These yeah, guns, these guns were ridiculous. It's kind of like the Death Star. That's how big They were full are. on shooting missiles at right. the end. I was like, those aren't bullets. So the fact that we're calling this a gun is wild. Right. So the thing is, they want to destroy both, the Axis powers want to destroy both the 2,000 English soldiers and any ships that come to rescue them. So they're essentially holding them hostage. Yes. And we're informed of that. The the thought is, in something like eight days, yeah. the Germans are going to wa- destroy everybody on Car- all these 2,000 British right. soldiers on Karos. So they have seven days <laughs> right. to stop the guns, and they're going to send six battleships, six British battleships through. Whether the guns work or not, which is terrible strategic planning, uh, through to try and get these men. This is a theme that runs throughout the film, too, uh, which is Jensen, who's also played by, along with our narrator, by James Robertson Justice. Well, is, is my issue wasn't that it was narrator and mm-hmm. he was on the screen. Presumably, he was always on the screen, and then they added the narration. Right, exactly. So what was his character's name before he was the narrator? He could still be the narrator and also whatever his character's and name his was. His character's name is listed here as Jensen, so I'm guessing that's... Oh, okay. Because in the credits, right. narrator. Right, exactly. <laughs> he, he, does, he plays the part of a man who's planning... Who uh, he he's confronting a group of men who have uh, just tried to bomb the uh, the cliff on Navarone where these guns are. It's the, you know, yes, and yes, they yes. have failed utterly. They've lost eighteen of their own men. Uh, they're confronted by, or rather, he's confronted by Richard Harris, who plays very young Richard Harris, who plays this Australian with a foul mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unless we're English, will not understand how. Uh, follow term bloody is and he uses it continuously. Oh that got yes, they they uh they bleeped that in the original well, uh UK cinema version. It was overdubbed. The television version I remember seeing when I was a kid, I think was the UK version because he keeps saying ruddy. Yes, I'm seeing to receive a U certificate uh, in the original UK cinema version, it was overdubbed to remove all of Barnsby's uses of the word bloody. The word was replaced with a less offensive ruddy. Right, exactly. And right. the same print appeared on early video releases. Right. So that that was the version I saw when I was a kid. It's like, Rudy, this is Rudy. But, um... Which is a weird replacement. Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. Well, you know what? I, I, well, uh, English profanities like flaming or Australian profanities, sometimes they sound hor- like so much less offensive than the kind of words that we'll use in America. It turns out not so much. There's a so after the, the the failure of this, or rather directly after the failure of this, um, a group of men is assembled together. Yes, our suicide squad. I will say the other reason that mm. the the Germans have for doing this is to push Turkey to come into the war on their side. Right. Turkey is neutral at this point. They're right next to Greece. They want to show this. Power mm-hmm. to get Turkey to side with them out of fear, presumably, because right. that's what the Germans' uh, stock and trade was during the World War II. 
Um, so there's a lot of talk about Turkey. What if Turkey comes in on the wrong side? What if this, that, what if that? Some people stop caring about that fairly early. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, go so ahead. This team is, uh, it's Major Roy Francis, who's, oh, Franklin, excuse me, who's played by Anthony Quayle. He's lucky. He's lucky. He's called lucky. Until he's not. Until he's not. But Turns he, out. His luck has run out as of the beginning of this movie, but nobody knows. He winds up uh, pitching this idea to his commander, which is, we put together a group of men, led by uh, Keith Mallory, who also was Australian in the book, not oh, okay. in the film. Interesting. No, in, um, in the film, they just leave him as American. Right. Because it's Gregory Peck, and he's not doing an accent. Thank you very much. Because he sounds like Atticus Finch, and he always will. <laughs> well, he was doing an accent for Atticus Finch. Uh, well, and yes. No, I suppose he, that is, he does do an accent for He Atticus. did later on, but that's a whole other story. Back when he was playing a Nazi, when he was much older. And he gets hired for his spy skills and also the skill of climb, climbing. Right. And he's also is he comes into the, the, the plot. He's supposed to... There is... This island of Navarone is guarded on all sides by the Axis, by the, the Nazis. There is one side that isn't guarded, which is a 400-foot, nearly sheer cliff. Um, and so they say that Keith Mallory, the human fly, yes. can get our men up this cliff and to the top, and then after that, you just go home. Not what happens. Oh, is that what they said yeah, to him? I didn't realize like, that know, that's what the promise there, was. And then you can go. You don't have to, you know... Play in our sandbox, but um, except now you're on this island, right? Oh, but they didn't expect what happened to the boat to happen to the exactly. boat. I gotcha. And so, um, spoiler alert: the boat has a bad time. Mr. Franklin's best friend, who is a, a professor, Corporal uh, Miller, who's played by David Niven. Best friend. Uh, his special friend. You guys. Uh-huh. You guys. Okay. David Niven as as Miller and Anthony Quayle as Franklin are in love with each other. They are. Th- th- this is something that. It's beautiful and sad. <laughs> it's very obvious watching it as an adult. Oh, yeah. That's what they're going for. And it is. They are. A couple, they're not... It's very possible it's never been consummated. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is that the word? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, is that a soup? What did I just say? Um, I feel like it has been, though. I feel like they're in a relationship. Uh Um, And there's like... And then, of course, they they can't... There's jokes made about it. You know, Mallory jokes with him. It's like, how long have you two been together? They have a lot of interesting, like, physical intimacies. The yes. way that he lights a cigarette in Quail's mouth, uh, David Niven does, and then puts it in his. And it's, then no, it's, the, it's always the other right. way around. Oh, okay. He lights cigarettes, takes the first drag, and then puts it in, Qua- in, right. in, his, in Quail's mouth. Um, he's very protective of him. Quail gets injured significantly, right. and he is... He's distraught for the entire thing. He's distraught the for the entire th- thing, um, but also... But dotes on him mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah. Not in a, not in an, like an overly, uh, like they're careful. It's right. not overly familiar, but there's no way that there's not more to this relationship. And I have to say that this was part of, uh, in this period of time, 
a growing kind of awareness of homosexuality in the movies. Uh, Gore Vidal, who was a gay writer, mm -hmm. wrote a homosexual subtext into Ben-Hur right. that was not there in the original book and got some of the producers of the film, actually, and Charlton Hesman himself, kind of upset, like, wait a second, <laughs> you know, you can't change the notion of the book into this. Why you can't? Yes, you can. You know why? Because mm -hmm. it's an adaptation. Right. It's an adaptation, <laughs> and it was the way that uh, he got the he got um, Stephen Boyd to play the Masala character, the antagonist, with so much venom, is that he's a spurned lover. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. And his performance is really interesting to watch because you see him like just violently angry that he's being spurned. But anyhow, going back to this, this is uh, this is um, David Niven and Anthony Quayle are are to all. They're a, a couple. Um, so, but so so Quayle is the the leader of the pack. Yeah, Roy Franklin. He's the the one who's who. This is his mission that he's hand chosen these people for. And Miller is the explosive expert mm -hmm. because what they need to do is blow these guns up. The the thought from the the <laughs> ravage pilots from the beginning mm -hmm. is the only way you're taking these guns out is if you fly a plane into this cave. Right. But here's the problem with that. Whoever flies that plane's gonna die. So good luck trying to find and somebody. The the one of the interesting things that comes up when uh, Roy uh, Franklin is talking to Keith Mallory is he says Corporal Miller, David Niven, we have tried to give him a command and he won't take it. He won't get promoted. He wants to stay a corporal. And he doesn't want, he responsibility, doesn't want responsibility for other men's lives, probably. And so what you see throughout this film is that there's a, a real, and I've noticed it this time, a real um, well-developed theme about how there are people don't want to take the responsibility. They don't want to... No, nobody does. Nobody wants to have it. And so later on, when it falls to Mallory, he's not, contrary to the Gregory Peck that we know from other movies, he's not sure of himself. He's second-guessing himself. He, until he isn't. Because right. when they're in there, like at the last scene, I was yeah. like, no compunction about shooting these dudes. Right, exactly. Just, just none. But it, you see it develop over time. Like yeah. He doesn't want to do that. He'd rather be a spy because he's not in charge of anybody. And, the, and he's really... Uh, hurt by a decision that he made that affected another member of the team, which is Andrea. Andrea Stavro. Andrea Stavro, who's played by Anthony Quinn. Before his famous Greek role, another famous Greek role. Yes, and it's funny how apparently on the island where they shot this film, uh -huh. there is an Anthony Quinn Bay. This motherfucker got everybody on that island drunk. He was there during... Guns Navarro, and then he came back a few years later to Zorba the Greek, yeah, and yeah. then much later in his career he plays Aristotle Onassis in the Greek Tycoon. Jeez, he's Louise. just he's like a you know, is he's not a Greek man. No, he's an Irish Mexican. I could see that. I, I could see that hundred percent. Anthony Quinn, you know, it's like which is, you know, sort of like uh, what's his name? Martin Sheen. And he's know. like a great fighter and a not, and he has knowledge of the area, right? Because right. he, he does. Greek. He's been on Crete for a while. And his his issue with with Mallory is that um, Mallory at one point let grow let go a group of Germans who had their wounded. It was about a year before the right. the the things that happened in this film. He was going to let them go to the take their wounded to the hospital, and knowing that he worked with. Uh, Stavro, who was a ferocious killer of Germans, 
they found Stavros' house and set it on fire, his wife and children inside. Yeah, they bombed it mm-hmm. thinking that they were going to get him and his family, and they just got his family. And now Stavros basically like, hey, when this war is done, I'm going to kill you because it's your fault. They're dead. It's not right. It's not the Germans' fault. Yeah. You knew they were scorpions. You let them in. And I love the line that, uh, where Gregory Peck says, well, it's because of my damned Anglo-Saxon decency. It's like... And he my, also says right. he has he still at that point felt like they could have some civility in war, right. which now he does not feel that way anymore because he's fighting Nazis. And yeah, right. there's, uh, and there's a, that comes to a point later on when what happens to uh, to Roy happens. Yeah. When he, but anyhow... So he he Mallory is like you should bring on Stavro like yeah. I, or even more than that I won't do this without him yeah and the dude that has brought them all together is like he's already at the hotel right. he's at the hotel he and Mallory is like okay <laughs> so the other two uh, members of the team are uh, Butcher Brown who is Stanley Baker who is a guy who was was really good at sneaking up on people and stabbing them in the throat with knives he was. That guy, he was part of the Spanish, um, the Spanish uh, resistance. He was called the Butcher of Barcelona, but he sort of lost his nerve. He's just tired so? of killing people. Yeah, that's true. That. He just, he, he so then dead. they've got another young killer who's not tired of it And that's yet. James Darren, which is weird because James Darren... As that's his his real name. Yeah. His name in the movie is mm-hmm. Spiros Papadimos. James Darren was Could he in, be Greek? Maybe. He's an actor who did, he was like Pat Boone back in the day. He has the cutest baby face. I was like, how does this baby face have such a killer instinct? And then he does murder a lot of people. He's very good in this. And there was an attempt in the 50s to like, you'd see uh, Fabian show up in a John Wayne movie. Mm -hmm. You'd see Pat Boone show up in Journey to the Center of the Earth. There was a real attempt to get these sort of pop stars to wind up doing films. And James Dern wound up doing a lot more acting than crooning eventually. Oh, interesting. So, um, yeah, he's quite good in this. He's really funny, though, because Stavro is like the big killer, right? right. The butcher, too, but Stavro, I think, is the best all around right. fighter. And he is constantly just keeping an eye on this kid, like, fucking don't pop off. Don't right. pop off. I need you to not pop off. Also, they're the two Greeks. Right. Because the other reason that Spyros Papadimos is involved is he is a native of the island of Navarone. And his father is part of the resistance there. Turns out so is the sister. Right, we'll get exactly. to it. Hey, remember when we said there are ladies? One of them is the sister. And she's played by the great Irene Pappas. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Life. We're not there yet. So they're all set off on their mission. What their job is to do, and it's like, this is why I thought you would like it uh-huh. when, when I first mentioned it to you. Uh, for Father's Day. It's a Day. heist, you guys. It's, it's a caper movie. It's a caper. They're not trying to steal something. They're, They're trying to blow something up. Right. But it's the, the principles are the same. They need yeah. to sneak, and then they need to have a, a big uh, set piece at the end. Right. And there's lots of set pieces to this movie. I was there reading are. some of the reviews that were contemporary with, making, with the, the films being released, and they're like... Um, I I want to point out how strange and absurd some of the rescues are when they rescue each other or they get out of this mm-hmm. situation or that situation. They're going, but I can't because it all happens so fast. You're like, wait, what? Okay, okay, here we are. Some right. of it is ridiculous, but some of it isn't. Some right. of it is, there, there's a reason that people made it home from war. Yeah. Like, you're not fighting a ton of trained soldiers in a lot of places, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. People who don't know what they're doing with their right. weapons. They can't, you know, they're not going to be sharpshooters. 
you're lucky because a bullet didn't hit you because none of those people know how to fire a weapon right. correctly. And this is something that, that gets covered in some of the best war movies, even when we saw it with Saving and Private Ryan. Mm-hmm, absolutely. There are people who are recruited who are, have been drafted, who've been put into war, mm-hmm. who have no idea. Or, no even, idea um, or they don't want to be there. Right. Uh, and they're like, well, I'll fire my weapon, but I'm not going to do it at people. The Kubrick film that we just saw also is about that. Mm-hmm. Just put ordinary people in the situation, beat them until they fit into this mold. Yep. And then you release them, and it's like, well, no, they're being killed by, like, a 15-year-old girl who really is protecting her homeland. That's the other thing, is the Nazis on this island aren't fighting for anything. Right. They're They're fighting for the rights to bully and intimidate people. The Greeks on this island, the the resistance fighters, and then the the, um, allied fighters are fighting for something. They're fighting to save these men. They're fighting to save their home. They're fighting, you know. The, The other thing we should say, which I didn't understand at the beginning mm-hmm. was this is a not a small island. Like I thought right. it was going to be like this tiny island with just this sheer cliff and then right. some guns and then that's it. No, no, no. It's big, big island. And the sheer cliff they have to climb is on the other side of the island from where the guns are. Right. So not only do they have to get up this cliff with mm-hmm. the, what is it? Six of them. Yeah. They need to get across the whole island in this time frame, because these boats are coming through, whether or not you have disabled these guns. Once again, that's a terrible strategy. But, <laughs> they but, literally are like, if you don't succeed, there are going to be f- six more battleships at the bottom of the Aegean. And I'm like, how about no, then? Um, yeah, it's it's wild. So they, the first impediment is that as they're coming over, First, they get on a really shitty boat, and it's hilarious, because Stavro is like, he's gotten this boat, and he's like, this boat is garbage, and if you give me, like, his um, fixer, Mm -hmm. he's like, if you give me a day and a half, I'll get you something decent, but this boat is shitty, and they're like, we don't have a day and a half, deuces, we're taking the junker out. We have to take off. Yeah. (laughs) And so they, they go... Out to sea, this is when you find out some of what their issues are. Between. Yeah, we learn about right. the Mallory and Stavro issue. Um, we learn how long uh, Miller and uh, Franklin have known each other. Right. Uh, and we keep an eye on all of the loose cannon murderers. So and there is they a don't point straight up where murder anybody. Stopped. Yes. They're intercepted by a German patrol boat, and then you get to see them in action, like how really well they can work together. Yeah, that is a tense scene, because mm-hmm. you can see uh, Anthony Quinn, who is, I think, on that boat at least, uh-huh. who they're looking to. He's not in charge, right? but he, like I said, is the best sort of all-around right. guy they've got. So they're all looking at him to be like, do we fucking, is it popping right. off? And he's like, like, big eyes. It is not. I would be like not popping off. He's trying to keep uh, the young kid. The kid, he's got, who's sitting over and he's pretending to be sewing up a sail. Right. But he's got weapons he's under strapped. that sail. He has everything in his lap right there. And he's just like, do not, don't <laughs> right. do it. Don't, don't do, do it. it. Don't do it. But then the, they, got, they are boarded and uh-huh. then it does indeed pop off. Right. And they, they do a really good job. But also this is also where you see um the fact that the former butcher of Barcelona has developed like he he, he just doesn't, doesn't wanna... and he admits to Mallory when Mallory comes up and confronts him. Like why later, didn't like, you why didn't you do something? He's like, I'm sick of it. You can shoot a person with a gun. 
you know, from far away. But when you stab him, you're close enough to smell him. And I was yeah. like, <laughs> that, that yeah. was just And you a... feel it. Right. And you feel the resistance to it. I, yeah. I, yeah, stabbing somebody is a special kind of yeah, that, that, yeah. intimacy that I'm on. I, I'm uh, not willing to get involved with. Um, but he's he's just so. From that point until much later, Mallory sort of is trying to get him to is giving him the peripheral jobs there. Right. Well, let's try and keep you out of the direct action so that you're not harm a harm to yourself or others. Now, why is Mallory giving orders? Because as the ship is crossing this narrow channel, and they're going to come up to the 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 back unguarded end of the island of Navarone. There is a terrible storm. Big, huge storm at night. One night storm. Won this film an Academy Award for special yes. effects. It's the only Academy Award it won. Which is, and it's it's very impressive what they did do because it does look like there's a full size ship wallowing around in there. I want to talk about an effect later that I was unimpressed with, but You're this unimpressed. one is good. Yes. Okay, and so as it so happens, um, yes, this was a nearly disastrous storm for everyone involved. For everyone, they. They all end up out of the water at the bottom of this cliff. But now mm-hmm. Mallory's with them. Right. He's like, well, I'm not going home. So I guess I'm going to stick with it so that I can then get off the island with them. And I think Stavros was probably going to go back, too, because his only job was to get them through this very narrow channel to where the... Was that his, yeah. his thing? I mean, he, because he's Greek, he's right. helpful, but they do have Papademos. So, yeah, maybe it was just... Right, because I don't know if Papademos knows how to go up the the back end of this island up this sheer cliff. No, no, no. Nobody does except yeah. the climber. That's what he's there for. So he does, and it is, okay, so it is nighttime. Mm-hmm. It is pouring down rain. Yes. And they've just been through a shipwreck. Couldn't ask for a better situation to climb a 400-foot rock face, um, which you had prepped with by looking at some blurry-ass photographs. <laughs> I was like, you can't plan a climb with those photos. Here's what I know about climbing. The word crampon. And that's all. But I know that you can't look at the photos that they gave him and plan a climb. It It's too dangerous. <laughs> um, it's not safe. It's bad. It's very, very bad. But he fucking... Boop, 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 boop. Gregory Peck's right up that that cliff right. with the rope on his, you know, around his waist. That's the other thing. Stavros holding the bottom of the rope. <laughs> so if he wants to kill him, yoink, and it's done. But he does not do that. Well, what they, they, they do, and there's a couple of opportunities that Stavros has to kill him. Oh, yeah, him. several. And in this case, it's you're not sure. And by he... this, we know he's going to kill him at the end right. of the war. And Mallory believes that he is going to kill him at the end of the war. Mallory has no reason to not. It's not like this is a cute story I'm telling. Isn't it funny that we have this joke? Right. No, no, no. Well, he's no. like, I am on a timeline. And that timeline ends when this war is over. And this man straight murks me. Because he also knows in a fight, Stavros winning... Well, Stavros is also, he's really, he's motivated. He's highly motivated because he's just like, I'm, this is the person who... Until he isn't anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, But we'll get to that. So So Mallory gets up. Climbing, climbing, right. And then Stavro comes next. Climbing, climbing, climbing. And then there's a slip. And Mallory is hanging. And Stavros holding him. And so he could go over at that point, too. But he doesn't pull him up. They get up to the top, and they there's a German 
There's a damn German that's up there. <laughs> There's always a damn German where they want to be. <laughs> Go ahead. It's, it, yeah. So they get there. Um, now, here's the issue. At one point, while we're climbing, 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 um, our leader, Franklin. Well, yeah, but that's not until after they, right. they, they, they clear out the they top out and the then top, everybody they throw comes. They the guy. They throw, they throw him over, over the, the cliff. Yeah, just declare fucking them. timber, motherfucker. But so they and they, so they're up there, and right. they're and then they, everybody else is climbing up. They're dragging themselves up this rope. Yeah, which and seems very hard. And the last one to come is Franklin Anthony Quayle, our leader. And what he does, unfortunately, or what happens to him is that he um, slips. And this has happened to Mallory earlier. Yes, there's one part of the. Um, is it like it's at the same place, right? right. Yeah. Is this sort of steep kind of incline? Where you have top. to like push yourself up backwards. Push yourself up backwards by holding your arms out and like into this crevice. It's right. crazy. Oh, and there were bats at one point or birds or something? Yeah, there's a bird that comes out of <laughs> like a kestrel or something comes out of a nest right next to his face and And it's y'all, it's nighttime. Yeah. So yeah, scary. But um what happens is that he uh Franklin slides down and hits this, like, this outcropping in the rock, yeah. and one of his legs just accordions. Yeah, which, it's good that he hit the outcropping, because the off not, it was right. 400 feet down, there was uh, some water that was welcoming it. And some rocks that it was barely covering. But, so yeah, he uh, does break his leg real bad. And so it's left they're now left with this idea, which is, We've got him to the top of the, the, the mountain now, and now we're, or the cliffside, and we're wondering what to do with him. Because, because they've killed the two Germans that were up there. Yeah. All right, now we're in this position where they're going to come looking for these Germans. You can, for so yeah, long, you somebody can say, knows that they were out here. The wind, the rain, the storm interfered with it, blah, blah, blah. But eventually, they're going to come looking for them when they don't get another mm-hmm. signal. <clears throat> and um, Mallory attempts to. He speaks German and English mm-hmm. perfectly. I learned today that um, Gregory Peck couldn't quite get his mouth around the German language and make it sound like he was a person who could speak like a native. So his words are dubbed in by somebody who did a really good job with his voice because it sounds like him. Interesting, yes. Um, well, he's got a right, he's got distinctive a, a distinctive voice that I think, if you're good at that sort of thing, right. is a is a good one to do. Yeah. But he um, he tries to fake out the. Nazis who are communicating with the patrol and then discovers he's just like, no, they didn't buy that. We have to get going. So the question comes, should we, what should we do with Franklin? And uh, they're offered, he offers them two choices. We take him here or we leave him behind with us, uh, leave him behind and the Germans will take care of him. He's an officer. Which is kind of weird. It's like, what would they do if he was a you know, wasn't if he was just you know like a, but then the third option comes in, which is we could just kill him. Yeah, because he is you know they they have drugs to cure them. Yes, but they also have scopolamine. Scopolamine, which is true serum. It's not, but right, but it can be yeah effectively <laughs> can be used that way. If so, what happens is that uh, Valerie's thinking on his feet, and he prevents. 
uh, Franklin from actually committing suicide at one point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the next day, so they're dragging him. They, right. They've made a stretcher and they're carrying him. <laughs> um, Miller says that he'd be happy to carry him the whole way or whatever. He's yeah. lighter than he looks or whatever. And I was like, oh, they love each other. And uh, and they are carrying him through. But they know that at some point, like, he gets gangrene, so they know at some point he's going to need a physician. They know that he's a liability as is. Right. Uh, he knows he's a liability. So, yeah, I think the second day that they wake up, uh, Mallory finds him with a gun poised to take his own life, and he takes the gun away from him and says, it's all a wash anyways. We're going to get you out of here because um, they're going to do an uh uh, aquatic landing, right. a heavily heavily armed aquatic landing on the south face. So they've scrapped our mission. And that was a very clever idea. And that is a bold-faced lie that right. nobody at this time but he, those two men know about. Yeah. Mallory doesn't tell anybody until later, at which point David Niven loses goddamn mind. Right. But... Uh, Right now, it's between them, and he is. He knows that he's gonna. He he knows that at some point he's they're gonna maybe lose him. Yeah. It's in one way or another, and they he he has to leave him as a booby trap, which is what he does. Right. Um, and but he does say, "I better not catch you with a gun again." <laughs> well, there's there's two two things happen because they were able to get a hold of. There's that, but he's able to get a hold of. His people who tell him the job has been moved up a day. Yes, that's the other thing. So now they're on a four-day schedule to provide the guns. Because the yeah, it's six days from the beginning. Um, four from when at this point, right? Right. Um, so they it was that the Germans were going to annihilate those men on the eighth day. So they had till the seventh day when the ships were coming through. Now they've moved. The Germans have moved up their timetable, which means Britain has moved up its timetable, which means their timetable is moved up. Um, and they barely, y'all, it's a squeaker on time at the end here. Yeah. Um. So uh, Mallory stops uh, Franklin from committing suicide. He yeah. Plants in him this false idea, which I thought was very yes, sharp. very smart. And then they go on to their rendezvous location, which are these old ruins. Yes, and they're, they're supposed to meet up, I think, with Spyros's dad. Right. But a lady shows up. Yes, and at first they capture Anna, not knowing that she's a woman. Yes. And, and Spyros actually kicks her just to make sure she's unconscious. And then um, his sister Maria comes in and basically just... She's the best. She she's like dad's dead or whatever. Right. I'm doing no, it he's now. Under, he's under lock and key. Oh, he's oh he's right. locked. He got yeah. cop, captured. Okay, and then uh, and and Mallory goes, "Hey, do you have a brother?" And she's like, "Yeah, he's been in America for ten years." Because right. that's the other thing. Spyros, murderous son of a bitch. Right. Learned that shit in the U.S. Hi, welcome. He came to the well, United States, the and we taught him how too. to fucking kill. And they say he, they yeah. say he learned all the wrong things. He's like he's supposed to get an education in America. He learned, he learned the at the wrong kind, right? Yeah. But um, and she sees him and oh, slaps the shit out of him. It's so good. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, "What's going?" Because they're also like, "This kid will right. kill you." And she's like, Mm-mm, "You didn't write." Exactly. And then she And he's him. like, I'm at war. And mm-hmm. she's like, You didn't write for a decade, so don't even 
start and I told myself I was gonna do that when I saw you and then she hugs him and they're fine. Right. Because they're Greek. It's how it's how they do. And then they're introduced to Anna. Who is of the giant eyes. Anna, who's played by Gia Scala, who was uh Is that Gia? One, it was one of the like there was a period of time too after the war when you had Sophia Loren yeah. and Gina Lola Brigida and these, these Italian, Italian bombshells, yes. And she Gia Scala was a model. Okay. Um, and she had a career for a while, and that was um, until, unfortunately, she was... This part is very good mm-hmm. for a model because there's a- only one scene where she speaks. Right. Because she has been met, rendered mute by the torture at the hands of the Germans. Right. She's joined the resistance. Maria tells of scars so terrible that not even she was allowed yeah, to see but them. but they whipped her to the bone, yeah. which is creating this horrible picture in your yeah. mind. So nobody wants to. So she doesn't write. speak, yeah. and she's like their little gopher, like a she's quiet as a mouse. Mm-hmm. She looks very innocent. She's quite pretty, um, and she is with them right. now. So, um, the German soldiers are hunting them down. And they don't, do they even know who they're hunting? They just know they, they're hunting rebels, right? They, like they that's, know at this point that somebody's come over the top of the hill. They know that's that true, two of right. their owners have been killed. That's true. So they're now actively looking for them. The nice thing about that boat getting smush mushed mm-hmm. is that it's not there to give them away. Right. <laughs> and so they're they're now trying to find a doctor to take care of Franklin. Because he has full on gangrene and they're like he's right. we need to find a surgeon because that leg needs to come off or he's gonna die. Right, so... Um, and he says, I hope that surgeon is good with the knife because I, 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 I can smell it. Right, and that was it. It's like, uh, I, you know... Can you imagine smelling your uh, own body uh, rotting? That, there what? are moments in this film that really kind of capture how grungy it was. And reading a contemporary review of the film mentioned how, how glamorous some of the war films were and how really, by contrast, grungy and dirty this film was. This one is very grungy. What it isn't is bloody. There's almost... I think the entirety of the blood in this entire movie is in Stavros' shirt in the final scene. Yeah. Where he's supposed to be wearing a white undershirt and that shit is red. But you have seen people shot and stabbed and there is nary a drop of blood in this whole thing. And that might just be standards of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some kick-ass explosions and stuff, but yeah, no, it's... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's on the way to the the town with the doctor is mm-hmm. where the... the um, there's a scene where they're coming up one way and there's German trucks coming up, yeah. like jeeps coming up the other way. And they end up stopping them and overtaking them. And then they drive one of the jeeps off a cliff. Mm-hmm. The, the, the jeep, this is supposed to be an army jeep. Right. So, pr- probably of Greek, Greek origin. They probably would have just taken the Greek mm-hmm. army's vehicles, but also maybe of German origin. It could have come over on a ship. Um, supposed to be an army vehicle for war this thing <laughs> goes through oh like over the cliff and it it doesn't fall more than 10 feet and on impact the whole thing like a balsa wood plane explodes Is that the special effect Just, yes and then it, like the thing explodes but mm-hmm. before that there's an actual explosion as though it were made out of c4 just all of the parts of the truck just come apart, like a like a model that wasn't uh, glued yet, like just had been placed yeah. together. I was like, 
That's the worst. If I was a person who drove one of those trucks and I saw a truck do that, I'd be like, I'm not driving this anymore. If I accidentally back into the corner of a building, I'm going, the whole thing's going to just fall apart. It was wild. I was just like, I understand it was probably a miniature or whatever. Mm. And they're, you know, they want to save money. And also, I'm not a fan of actually just blowing up a vehicle for the sake of blowing up a vehicle. Yes, just for the cool explosion. That's. Mm terrible for the fucking environment like i didn't think about that i'm also like six battleships at the bottom of the Aegean. Right. fuck the ocean i guess like I'm like i just like i didn't need to add the environmental impact of war onto all of the other problems i had with war but something about this movie i was just like and the, and the making of it i was just like what well, are we doing to the earth for this? There are some scenes like it's weird. I've never had those thoughts before. <laughs> when uh, when uh, Franklin is admitting that he, you know, I can smell the wound mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the gangrene. I can smell. Right. It. Yeah. You need. We um, need. I know. I need a surgeon. They haul him off again, and they they escape through this cave because the Germans have found them mm-hmm. yet again. And Stavros stays behind, and he plays sniper. And that was one of the... Is that when the planes were coming right, over? Planes, yeah. The planes spot them, and they're in a carob grove, I think. Yeah, I think so. And then he is just... And you get to see what's... I will say, this island, wherever yeah. they filmed, as Mykonos, or, right. it's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm but, just like, oh, I understand why you'd be born on this island and would never leave. <laughs> he does this thing where he just plays a you know sniper. Yes, yeah. which is his that he does that a few times like, in here. Yeah. Oh my god, he's just like hitting people. At and he will. says, "I'll meet you guys right. at the town and or he whatever." Kind of, he just he go. kind of is a little bit boastful at the, when he finally meets them again. It's like, yeah, hi, good evening, gentlemen. He's yeah. like really. What took is, you so long? I think he beats them there. <laughs> right, and this is when Miss um, Papas, Maria, when she starts like, huh? <laughs> There's a scene there in a truck, and. Uh, Gregory Peck's between them. Right. And she's driving. And she's like, Mr. Stavro? And he says, yes. And she says, I like you. And he says, I like you too. Right. <laughs> Gregory Peck is looking like, hi, hi, I'm sitting between you right. two. This is the most awkward thing that's ever, There's ever been. Scene. But it's also the uh-huh. healing of this character. Right. Right. He now finally sees a future. All he had before was end of war, murder this dude, die, I guess. There's a scene, too, and I think it's a little later on where he shaves. And I'm not saying all that you need is love to get over the loss of your previous wife and child or children, but it helps. It's fun watching. (laughs) Yeah. Like how. Yeah, he shaves and she's like. You're a good looking man. (laughs) She's like, yeah, she likes me. (laughs) And I'm like, I know she likes you. You know how I know? She literally said, Stavro, <laughs> she just says it. She has no, I like you. She is utterly guileless in this. She just. She is in a fucking war. Right. So she's just. She like, could die tomorrow. Take so your yeah, shot right now. Here the fuck it is. You're not interested? Okay. Right. But if you are, let's do this shit. She's awesome. She's so good. Yeah. I really appreciate the fact that she got added into the film. Yeah. And this is what we. There's no kind of long, prolonged love scenes. There's no. You know, they're staring into each other. None of that. 
And you get a lot of that in war films, even at the time. Yes. You got a lot of, oh, you know, we have only... No, none of that thing. None of that. There are looks at each other. Uh They're not prolonged. Right. They're very natural. A lot of times they're behind the action of the scene, so it's not stealing focus. It's just... That's the other thing. There's there's six, eight main characters Uh in this movie, right? Right. In all the scenes where there's more than two or three of them, they're all doing something interesting. That was one of the reviews. Like you could just watch it and be like, "Today I watched right. Spyros. What does Spyros do in all of this? Uh, all of his scenes, and what, he will be doing something interesting." One of the contemporary reviews scenes. I read about the film mentioned that. Yeah. And they're going first of all, it's like, and they're just like, I didn't realize until right now, but yeah, I'm like, yeah, there's it's like, just like, who's this Anthony Quinn guy? He's amazing. Um, uh, <laughs> I love the youths. But the, and they are you, when you're watching. And I mentioned Richard Harris too. It's like, oh, there he is. He's a baby, and I thought you recognized. I him. didn't. I I right. was. I, yeah. No, I didn't. But when but there's a scene. So the, they they go. They're going to leave um, Franklin off with the uh, try to find him a doctor. Yes. They're, they yes. Captured by the Nazis. At captured a, by the Nazis. They're at a wedding. It looks like. Yeah, there's a wedding happening a in dance. the town. They're dancing. And, and so the Mallory and and Spiros and... Um, butcher? The Butcher. I think he's there with him. I th- they've split up into two separate teams and yeah. some with Anna and, and some with him. And uh, Spiros actually sings along at this wedding. Mm-hmm. So you get, you know, well, we paid for a singer to be in this movie. Let's have him sing a song yeah. in Greek. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. But yeah. Um, and But they get stopped... And in the scene that shocked me as a kid, the Nazis actually have a little girl like deliver flowers to the, the strangers who are part of this thing. Yes. And he immediately almost shoots the little girl. Like he's so angry. Yes. He gets his, you know, Spiros gets his gun out and and Mallory has to stop him. Like, no, I no, don't no, think no. he pulls the. Does he right. pull it all the way out or does he just put his hand on it? I think he. Because he I it feel out. like there would be. Well, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I don't know what you do if you're in a wedding and a little girl has a gun pulled on her. I don't know if you. Right. Scatter, or if you right. freeze because you don't want to. Like, yeah. Stop! Stop! Yeah, like no. Um, These but, people are trying. I lo- also love you know, and mm-hmm. I said it when we were watching it. I was like, imagine your country is, or your your island uh-huh. is it being invaded right. by a hostile force, and you're just trying to live your fucking life. Well, <laughs> like, you mentioned that too when we were looking at it, that there was a time when civilians were not the target The target, of yeah, all that's not, clearly not the case not when the we case see anymore, in Ukraine at all. what's going on, um, yeah. And it hasn't been for years. It's, yeah. it's, it's been but also the direction. Greeks were, at that point, they'd been mm-hmm. conquered. Well, I don't it, like that term. The, They'd been defeated militarily and had submitted to Germany. Stavros is one of the reasons why they want to get him is that they're afraid he'll inspire other Greeks. Yes, and he's on the island of Crete right? doing just that. And that's why they were so... Fomenting rebellion right, and... Yeah. So hard and Greece him. is a hard country to hold on to, right? Because right. there's a bunch of islands. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's but So, they're, they get captured... They all yes. get brought into this. <laughs> uh, they get brought in to be um, interrogated. Interrogated, yeah. One by a Nazi officer who obviously does not want to do this. He just doesn't. He's um, and it's played by Walter. I think it's Walter Gatell. That's the soft one, not right. the sharp one that looks like Draco Malfoy. Over Lieutenant Musil. Okay. Who used to be? Who later on in his career, I always remember him as being the sympathetic Russian. Uh, 
head of the um, Secret Service in the James Bond films with okay. Roger Moore and with, um, oh, I think up until Pierce Brosnan, I think. Oh. He, he played that character for a long time. General Gogol, I think. Um, but anyhow, uh, he's sympathetic. He doesn't want, he, he's still saying this. He's almost like Mallory's counterpart. He right. sees this as running decently. He does, you know, we he's have. He's like, we, yes, right. you have intelligence, but we don't need to torture. Right. He, uh, and I'm like, hey, hun, I hate to break this to you. You are a Nazi. Right. And so they bring. You are not going to be known for your leniency, right. decency, um, fairness in war, none well, of that. And this is. You are going to murder. Well, I get the impression that his character is meant to be one of those people who was. Cajoled yes, or sure. drafted into or drafted. Right. I understand that. Right. I, I get that. And so he doesn't necessarily want to do this. However, when he's but not Stossler. successful, is that his name? Yeah. Stossler. Uh, and he does. He is a Draco Malfoy looking motherfucker. Right. Just, just Aryan yeah. and angular, blonde as shit. Yeah. He's. Uh, I was like, oh, the Nazi has entered right. the room. Like the so full on one. He is from the SS. The SS. Yeah. Right. So he's he's. Dangerous, and, and even before that, uh, uh, Oberlieutenant, uh, saying this completely wrong, uh, is uh, Musler is going, you know, there's an SS officer, and yeah. he's not going to be easy on you. Just tell me I don't want to, and then of course... Yeah, right, he's coming, and I can't stop him. Musler comes in, and he starts interrogating them, and this leads to a great example of what you were talking about, where everyone looks... Like they're really in the moment at the time. It's and it, this scene is incredible. Right. It starts with when Stessler comes in, he goes directly to Anthony Quayle, who is uh -huh. laid out on a stretcher. He sees where the wound is, and he goes to fuck with it. Right, he drops the the uh, the, the butt end of his uh, uh is it a Mauser? Yeah, yeah, his pistol on the and he's on just the sort of, wound. Right. And Niven looks like he's about to jump out of his fucking skin. Right. But everybody is like, you don't fucking do that. And right. including his next in command, right? right? Musil is like, no, 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 no. That is an officer. You mm -hmm. don't fucking put hands right. on him. And you don't, that's torture. That's a war crime. They didn't have that yet. But it's right. torture. It's a, I'm telling you, it's torture. It's a war crime. Um, and then Anthony Quinn makes his move to get an Academy Award. Right. He does this really funny kind of, and it's funny and it's, 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 I, it's baffling to right. me because, and I still, I've now watched it three times right. in a year. I cannot tell what he wants the reaction to be. Yeah. I cannot tell if he wants them to believe what is happening or be so thrown off by whatever and this he's, is. He's trying to convince Musselman I first. Can't. I am a fisherman. I was captured by these people. They took me on my they, boat. And he and Musselman's not even buying it because he has a great big picture yeah. of, of of him. Yeah, he's uh, like Starless. so. And then he also says, "So how are you? How are you strapped with this gun? Like right. if they, if you're their hostage, how are you? Why are you armed?" Right. <laughs> it's like, well, they gave it to me and said it was like a joke. They gave me a gun to carry, and he's doing this thing. And it's, when, but it's like right. so big. Right. Exactly. It is. I mean, it is freshmen have high school acting monologue. Big. And when it everyone is. is watching him, you see. Everyone there has a reaction to it. 
it's like that's one of the great scenes in this film because you have you have Stanley Baker. And you have to well, right. you've got to watch it several times because your eyes are not gonna leave Anthony Quinn right. to start with. Stanley Baker looks disgusted, like, ugh, that man. And then uh um what's his name? Uh James Darren's also like is like what is he up to? He's, like I don't know right. what what we're supposed to be <laughs> right. and, and taking and from this. Every time David Darren shoots his glasses at each other, like what? Wait, wait, hold I, it! What is he doing? They're like, kind of like laughing right. almost. They're just like I don't know what this. He's is. gonna give us a break to do something, but we like they're all but what is yeah watching him, and we've got to figure out. Mm-hmm all together silently right. what we're going to do and do it all at the same time or we're going to And you can die. see how the Stavros character is keeps trying to like get close enough. He, he's trying to get take the dude's at, gun. At first to Musil. Yeah. He's like getting really physically close to him yeah. to try to do something and then the SS officer walks in and he's yeah. like shit now I have to start all over again. Yeah. And then when he realizes that these appeals are not going to work on on Sessler uh, Stessler. Yeah. Um, he throws himself bodily to the floor. Right. Like a baby. <laughs> and starts writhing around. He's, he sees uh, the SS officer sort of like playing with his gun on... Yeah, on Quail, on um, Quail's Franklin, leg. yeah. And then he just throws himself to the ground, writhing, going, oh, I'm going to be sick. Oh, he And he's like the... retching, but he's rolling from one side to the other in a way that... I, when I am nauseated, right. have never felt like I well, wanted to do. I think the idea is like he's going to do something so outrageous that people are going to try to shut him out because I it's th- like, I don't want to look at this guy having this breakdown. Oh, maybe so they look away and he'd be able and to get a drop on him. he jumps and he makes his leap and then they all they just, yeah, converge and, and it's very desperate looking and but they get a hold of them and they tie them all up and yeah. everything. And they're able to get um, Musil. He's tied up, but... They kill Stosser, right. Stosser, don't they? Yeah, they have to. Because that guy's just, yeah. They're not going to be able to reason with him. No. And also, when you can kill an SS officer, right. you should you probably do that. They are still fighting in World War II. <laughs> like, well, also, because that this guy's... Is a tar- this is one right. of those targets that there's a there's a dossier about this motherfucker. Muscle he is, is a target. To, wants to capture them. Yes. Uh, yes. The other guy wants to kill them. Yes, and that—that's and he's a sadist about it. There's something kind of wrong with his head. Um, but so once that happens, they take the advantage. They tie up Whistle and his officers. David Niven makes cracks about how unsanitary or unhygienic their their suits are because now they're putting on the Nazi uniforms. Oh yeah, and it's like hi everybody. <laughs> that, that was... That's right. Yeah, for the rest of this, um, they are wearing Nazi uniforms. Uh, which is helpful to their cause for right. sure, but ugh. <laughs> and so that's it's mm. they're wearing those uniforms when she says that he she likes him because right. I remember um, Gregory Peck had the fucking hat right. the, the officer's hat on, yeah, which is such a terrible look. I just don't understand. It. But they they wind up uh, there's a it was it's a funny scene because David Niven's allowed to sort of like ad lib some of his lines. Obviously, the high every I don't think that was a a part of the script. But is. this is the most sort of flamboyantly homosexual acting right. he's, he does. Right, if we're going to, film. yeah. If is. we're going to look for more coding mm-hmm. of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Although he is, I mean, he's got the, the very classic, is he British or is he gay? Right. He, he's a very 
polite, educated, well-mannered Brit with a posh accent. Whose only... Whose mustache is uh, elegantly waxed. His only real... Like, the thing that includes him in this team is that he's really good, and you don't see it until near the end, at just blowing things up. Yes, he is uh, the amused early, munitions expert. When Franklin yeah. talks about it, it's like he's the guy who blew up the, I think it was an, uh, a Nazi command, and yes. he didn't hurt the children's hospital. Yes, it didn't even right? it didn't even break a window at the children's hospital so, next door. So, yeah, he's just he's really good at this. He's very good at it, and, um, and he's very smart. Like, he's like mm-hmm. a chemistry professor right. or something, like He's a problem solver and an understander of logistics, as we see later. Like the way that he sets everything up at the, at the in the end scene is right. genius, and yeah. he doesn't ask permission and he doesn't tell anybody what he's going to do until he is. And that's it. He's just he, he he's just like the you told right. me to figure out the best way to do this, and I'm going to do what the whatever that is. Um, so, yeah. So. Um... Franklin makes sure that, excuse me, Franklin, um, Mallory, Mallory makes sure yeah. that uh, Mussel is going to, as an, take care of this officer. This is a fellow officer. You have to be careful of him. You can't just kill him. You can't, whatever. Yeah. And Mussel agrees. He's an officer. Mm-hmm. Treat him as such. Right. And he's still going to try the scopolamine, I think. He and does. That's, that's what, what leads to... Um, and, and they say, you mm-hmm. know... We understand that you need to interrogate him, but right there's interrogation and there's, there's torture. There's, torture there's two and, different things. Right, which, what was being done And to so they did torture. do the scopolamine, and mm-hmm. he does say they're coming amphibiously. Or right. uh, What is, is that the word that Amphibiously, yes. Um, <laughs> which is exactly what Mallory had hoped. Um, and then there's a, there's a scene between David Niven well, and Mallory about right. that decision of I told him, yeah, that there was going to be another thing, and he's like, so you knew you were going to leave him behind, yeah, and there's every possibility where they wouldn't have used scopolamine, and they would have just tortured him or killed him, and and he's a good man and a good soldier, and he wouldn't have told them, and. He would have died because. And that's, you. again, the running theme of the film. It's like he wants to blame Mallory for everything that went wrong. He gets, he takes umbrage when Mallory assumes control of the, mm-hmm. of the expedition because he goes, Well, you're in charge now. And that happens yeah. relatively early on. Yeah, because um, keep in mind, his man yeah. is who's actually in charge. Right, exactly. Right? And he's only hurt because you fucked us. And he's, you know, yeah. yeah, it's going to be a lot of that. And so there's a, there's just this constant kind of anger and tension around Mallory being in charge yeah. and Mallory making decisions. Yeah. And, at the and same Mallory time, also doesn't fucking want to be in charge no, he doesn't. or make decisions. He, he wanted want to get to. on a boat right. and go the fuck away. He wanted to make sure that they got up the hill and then he would like scramble down it and then he would go off on his boat and try not to be killed by Stavros. Yeah. That was his That was idea. it. But um, the this follows with another scene where they're now away from the Nazis. They now are the next day is the big day. They have to. It's it's right. the day. It's the, it, the those ships are those boats are coming. Right. And and they're coming what at nightfall or something yeah. or like the dawn I think it is actually because so I think they're yeah. out there at night. 
So and so, if they don't dismantle this thing mm-hmm. and stop it from firing, right. then those ships are going to get, get sunk, get and those two thousand Englishmen are going to die, and everybody on those boats. Mm. How many men are on yeah, those boats? That's true too, because it's not just. Metal <laughs> that's human lives as well. Six battleships worth of men, I would think, are at, is yeah. at least two thousand men. Yeah. So then, mm. so <laughs> what happens is that they stop for the night, and when they wake up, and apparently the whole island's covered with ruins because they're staying in ruins the whole time. Because um, it's Greece, they've yes, been so making it's... shit for a long time in a very concentrated area. <laughs> the um, <laughs> Miller comes in the next morning and he's furious Mm. because all of his tools of his craft have been tampered with. Yeah, he at one point is like, um, vials of mercury, um, you have to be extremely careful with them and if you do the least um, uh, jostle, they could explode and he folds them in half and basically ties them in a knot because they're empty, it's gone. Right. Now, he goes on to try to understand. He's like, okay, there's a traitor amongst us. Yes. Somebody is lending word to the enemy. And think about it. Every okay, every step they've made, every the Germans made, were right there. They were right there. They were and, there. And all of these, these mm-hmm. are good at their job soldiers, right. not bad at their job no, no, soldiers. No. Yeah. And b- before any of them, before Mallory was, tre- excuse me, before um, Franklin got the scapula, I mean, still every step of their... Journey had been when gone. the the plane found them when they were going through right, the the Carib Grove, and then it comes to him. Wait a second, where was where was Anna? Yeah, she had climbed up a tree. Was she signaling to an airplane? Right, anybody could do that with a compact. Right, and then it they're like, well, they figure out that it was Anna who did this. Yeah, and so and then because she was the only one, uh, like she's like, so could it have happened at this time? Right. And but no, because everything was still fine. And, and still then we, we were all together except for one second when we left Anna alone at the track. Right. And so now that they are aware of who it is, Mallory is uncomfortable because he apparently spent the night with Anna before. Yeah, we saw them kiss. Right. And then it was the next morning. Oh <laughs> so, yeah. So presumably yes. So but, now he's like horrified because. Yeah. Um. And the, then she she confesses immediately. Suddenly, oops, she can talk. Right, and and she's like, I don't, I can't. She does not have deep scars on her back either. She doesn't. She, we find that out at the end. But she tells us, mm-hmm. I can't. I was too afraid of pain. As soon right. as they threatened me with pain, I turned. Yeah. And they're like, but once you were with us, why didn't you throw in with us? Like we could. You're now. You're going to go back, and they're still going to be. Right. Controlling you. And she's like, because you have no chance of winning. Right. Like, and I'm just like, well, that's, I mean, this seems like the group, though, don't. Well, they, they and then they're like, and Maria's like, I can't believe this. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't believe this. And they're like, well, look at her back. Show us the scars. Right. And yeah, they open her, the back of her dress, and her back is flawless. So they didn't even, yeah. It, it didn't have even escalate to her actually being hurt. It was just the threat of pain, which means it took three and a half seconds, right? That's like true. that's wild. And yeah, she'd been signaling them, and and she did destroy all these things. So and, she, um, 
then the question becomes, what are they going to do with her? Yeah, and and they know that they've got to kill her. Miller presses even further. He's just like, well, we have three choices. And so he throws it back up at Mallory. It's the same, yeah. And and Mallory is is going to shoot her. He's mm -hmm. holding a gun at her. And then uh, a bullet is fired from uh, Maria. Because, right. Uh, no, bitch. You just betrayed me and made me look and, like an and then, utter fool in front right. of all these people. Including this dude I'm fighting. I'm right. like, what the fuck? But also, there's, there's like an element of Greek nationalism, too. It's like, or there Greek is. pride. Like, you, you betrayed are us. a traitor. Right. And you're going to continue to be a traitor. Right, exactly. And not, yeah, you're not going to, you, you're not going to play me for a fool and get away with it. That's not a thing that's going to happen. Yeah. So, but once again, Mallory gets the sidestep some responsibility. <laughs> and then there's a really fun scene afterwards where Gregory Peck sends everyone off and just loses his shit with yeah. David Niven. Yeah. I love that. We used to do that with They friends. need to do that. Right. Just both of them. Right. Yeah. Reenact that scene with my nephew. You're in it now, up to your neck. You know, like. And both of them. Really, ha- they both have legitimate good points. Right. This is the one where he's like, "How dare you? Yeah, exactly. Sacrifice my man <laughs> to maybe be killed for your own ego." And that's not, of course, why. But well, that's... But the problem is that he, and he says it at another point in the film, he thought when he let these people go, these yes. wounded Germans. That they were not going to, they were going to just take their wounded into the hospital. Into the hospital, take care they, yes. Not they're going to come back and kill, try to kill Starbus, or kill it. You know, wind up killing his family. And he said, "That's what I thought back then that you could fight a civilized war." Yeah. What my concern is, the only way to fight this kind of a war is to be as, I'm not sure if the underhanded, wicked, right? Something he uses the word, yeah, a word that I can't quite oh, remember okay. for, um. Wicked is the enemy, but then do you wind up becoming them or like right. them? Right, and then what? What are we even fighting against? Right, we're the same. I mean, thing. that's the thing. And if you fight uh, Nazis with Nazi tactics, right, and you win, did Nazis win? Right, because then that's because now, here, now you're the Nazi. Yeah, so it, there is something to be said for, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, maintaining some sort of decorum. Right. But in this particular <laughs> case, yes. Yeah. You're it's it's not hard because I kind there. of agree with both sides of it. You know what I yeah. mean? And I'm like, well no, but if they're gonna cheat, you have to cheat or you won't win. Yeah. And there's too much at stake not to win. Yeah, but you've got here's what you've got to do. Mm-hmm. You've got to break the rules and you've got to know that you're breaking the rules and then you have to atone after the fact right, exactly. for breaking those rules. That's what you have to do to, to get out of a thing. Hey, Democrats, <laughs> I'm literally talking to you right now. Well, you that's... need to fight as dirty as they do, but know that you shouldn't be doing it. And once you have succeeded, mm-hmm. you... Ask for forgiveness, and you make up for well, the whatever those crimes were. That's that you why this film, and I know that at the time when it was released, people were going. Some of the critics were saying, "Well, it's a superficial treatment of all those issues we have about war." But years and years later, that's what a hi hi right. This is what that's what a movie is. Right. It's two hours years long. Years what later, are you talking about? After the Rambo films and things like that, mm. where it's just literally things getting blown up and people getting. Last Blood showed up on Netflix today. Oh, wow. The most recent Rambo movie. Oh. No thanks. <laughs> but, I mean, 
when you're watching those films, you're going, okay, there's this is just adventuring. It's not even there's no rhyme or reason or regret or kind of the very first Rambo film, the, the first Blood, actually was kind of about that. Yes. And the rest of them were just kind of Yeah, no, towards. the first one was very different mm-hmm. than the, the one that I ended up seeing, I think, that was like the second to last one that mm-hmm. was like unbelievably racist and violent. Right. But anyhow, so... Yeah. Now it comes to the point they have to take this and and so the the right. the goal with the misinformation was the forces would be away from the guns mm-hmm. dealing with an aqua or an aquatic aquatic right, right. entrance right um, and because he he kind of bolsters it by being like like a big like a lot of, like it's a large force coming right. coming and so they want to so that all the soldiers are away from where they need to be, because there's only they're down to. And I'm trying to understand whether or not um, the others are making a diversion for it. Yes. So, and we hear it's funny though because we hear some of the explosions, and they're like, "What was that? I don't know. Don't worry about it." Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, they're trying so hard. Yes. So um, Stavros and Spyros go to create distractions in mm-hmm. town. To pull even more of the attention away from where the guns are. Because right. they're in a fortress with all the soldiers. Like, it's a base, basically. Right. Um, yeah. And so, uh, once again, beautiful ruins. Spyros is in a machine gun battle duel with a German officer. Not even one German officer. Yeah. It's like a series he- of, like, three... That keep, like, it's a bunch of them that come, and then he gets it down to one, and then a bunch more come, and then right. he gets it down to one, and then and then he can't. Finally, he's just stuck in a, a you know, literal walk-into-the-enemy-shooting yeah. kind of okay corral sort of yeah. moment. And, like, there's nowhere to go. Right, there's nowhere there's to go. There's nothing and he can do. he also seems to, he's like, he's wounded at this point. Yes, and he's he been realizes, shot at least twice by then, yeah. Yeah, he's, there's just not a way out. Yeah. This is it. And he's going to take him he's out. He's like, him. I'm not going to be able to get back. Stavro mm-hmm. can't carry me. Right. So this is, I've got to just take as right. many with me as I can. And again, yeah, James Darren, he, he, he's a good, I, I remember seeing him a lot in like Time Tunnel and some science fiction stuff when I was a kid. He's really good here. Yeah. Because he just plays this completely blank-faced sociopath, essentially. Yeah. He just, he has. Well, he has to just shut it all off right. at that point because this is his home. Right, this is he's from this island, right? And he's gonna stand here and die defending it. And yeah. you, that's you just have to have that thought and then just, but he not think s- about anything else. Yeah, he kills off any number of Germans, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then um, what happens after? We also see that um, Butcher Brown also gets killed. Yes, um, Butcher and Maria are going to steal the fastest boat they can find. Right. Um, to get to pick everybody up right. to get them off of the island because once this thing is set to go, there's no way out of the fortress, so they're gonna jump off of a big cliff, <laughs> uh, which is either. not great because uh, Miller, David Niven, he can't swim. Right. <laughs> so after they just had the big fight, I, there's gonna be a you won't let me drown, right? In the I've inspected the condition of the boat. I'd like to tell you that I can't swim. That's like his. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. He'll <laughs> be like. Okay, those two things together mean that the boat's gonna sink. But um but yeah, so he gets stabbed 
um, again, kills, dies with the German officer that he just stabbed. Yeah, Butcher. Well, mm. is it a German officer? I thought it might have just been a dude, well, but I can't remember. There's the guy. He's, he kills a couple of them quietly like you do. Oh, when okay, yes, going. yeah. And then Maria's mm. swimming up to the side of the boat, and when right. she comes up, the operator of the right. boat is about to attack her, and he comes up and grabs her. Well, he might behind. not be an officer. He would be. Yeah, I think he's just a dude. Unfortunately, I think it might just be a Greek dude. But with um, the, whoever has the fast. Oh, it might be it. I don't know. I think he was off duty, though. Right. So <laughs> he dies. So now we're down two people from the team. Yes. But Maria has successfully. He also kills the boat operator. Right. Or, you know, owner. And so um, she is able to take the boat. So, so we know that. Maria and Stavros are... No, wait, Stavros, where is he? Stavros is with Spyros there. Right. Uh, yeah, he's out there. So he's still... He was able to get into the ruins area right. where he there was cover. And he does start picking people off with his rifle again. Okay, right. As he's heading back, um, we, we leave him until almost... All, right, like, and then we get Mallory and, and Miller. Mallory and Miller, yeah, and they're going to make their final assaults on the guns. And funny, I love the way they do it, they just lock the doors behind them. They just lock the doors behind them. They pull it, and they're still wearing the Nazi uniform, mm-hmm. so they're able to get into the base. Right. And they're sitting in a car, and they're basically waiting. They're hoping that these explosions and things that we do here outside will draw the officers well, away. They're already expecting the that aquatic landing, so they're, yes. they're, they're thinking that it's begun. So while they're drawn away, they lock these huge doors. Well, the, yeah, it takes yeah. a long time, though, because the, everybody's like, no, it's fine, We, yeah. we're stay stay put. And they're like, <laughs> get out of the way, because they just need a, a, a way through it. But then somebody goes one way, and they're able to sort of right. wink two people, and then pretend that they like come back as those two people like they right. put their other their helmets on and they just go into where the guns are and then just close the big door behind them and lock it and they're like i think that was easier than and then whoop, <laughs> it's like it oh no they did trigger that alarm so yeah then they've got to set and some you uh, see the guns really clearly for the first time there they are enormous. Massive. You don't even know. They're, they're enormous, and you see them climbing around on them. Uh-huh. Um, you don't even really know how big they are, though, until later, because they get they start getting, um, like, what's the word? Um, like, the ammunition is being right, loaded. Them. Loaded. I don't know. <laughs> they start getting loaded, and you see the size of the ammunition, oh, right. which is the size of a human man. Yeah, that shell is huge and you it's think, oh, gosh, yes. nothing if not a missile right it's it's wild but yeah so they but they lock the door and now they've got to they 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 start trying to break the door down um and they start with just two dudes with big mallets and i right. was like that's a weird choice. Well, they, they escalate. The Nazis start with the guys yeah, with the mallets. They go to, and then they go to jackhammers, uh-huh. and then they go to like a saw, like a like a welding torch right. or something. And that's that gets what through. starts yeah. doing the work. As but for a while, it's just it's it looks like torch, they're it like, pounding mochi. It's right. like two of them, one after another. Right. It's like, why is that? That's a big steel door. That you're not gonna. What are you doing? It was very weird. But the um <laughs> but we see for the first time really how good Miller is at his job. Yes. So he's setting everything up and Mallory's helping a little bit and he's kind of walking him through what's what. 
And then um, he's like, it's only going to take me another 30 seconds or so. And then Mallory goes and to see how far through that they are. Mm-hmm. And he comes back and he can't find Miller. Miller's not with the guns where he just was. And he's like, Miller, Miller, Miller. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, answer the, you could hear him. Right. What are you doing? He's just kind of a rebel to live here. Yeah. He's like, what do you want or whatever? Or yeah, who's asking? <laughs> Almost it was like a weird response. And he's like, I'm underneath. And that's when, yeah, he's, he's like. He's under a lift. Mm-hmm. And what he's done is actually really sharp. He's going to put another set of explosives. And a bigger one. And a bigger one next to where they keep the munitions. Yes. under It's underneath where the actual guns sit. Right. And his reason is they're going to get in that door right. before these are going to go off. And. Yeah. And. They're going to look for explosives on the gun, and they're probably going to find explosives on the gun. Like, they're not stupid. He says that. They're not stupid. Like, we're not dealing with zombies or whatever. These are human people Uh who are going to use their eyes and brains, and I can't hide these packages of explosives. So... He's going to slather (laughs) it with grease and put the tripwire... Underneath the elevator, so when it comes down to its regular height, it's going to slide on the grease and cut the the um, the wire and start the connection, or yeah. it's going to ignite it, which is very very clever. So they won't be like unless they don't put the thing all the way down, right? Because he shows him how to do it and how it's going to be. Um, he's like, this is the one I'm betting on. Like, it's possible when they find the explosives up there, right. um, they handle it badly and this yeah. isn't an issue. That's totally a, a, a possible, possible thing. But they probably won't look down here without dropping the hoist first. Um, and so I think this is the one that's going to cause the explosion right. that we're looking for. Uh, also, it is right by the munitions, which are, I like to tell you, extraordinarily flammable. They turn this mountain into a volcano. Yeah, they do. At the end of it, you're looking at it's like, oh, this is like Vesuvius. I don't, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. So he's like, okay, well, you know, hurry up. I'm going to go tie a knot because we're going to go drive off this cliff. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to finish this up. I'm going to cover it in grease. And it's the best I know how to do it. Right. That's what he says. This is what you hired me for is figuring this out and then making it happen. Um, and then he goes up, and then they do break in through that door, and so they do jump off that thing. And he's, <laughs> Mally's like, do you want to go first? He's like, no, you go first. I still can't swim. You wouldn't let me drown, right? And Mally's like, yoink, and John right. jumps off the thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, you did just have a big, big fight. Um, these scenes are tough a little bit for me because it's, they're doing day for night. Uh-huh. And so the 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 amount of light in the scene, I'm like, when is this supposed to be? It doesn't. I can't. Well, you understand. have the, the same issue with the storm scenes because yes. you said the foam on the the ocean is just blue. Blue, yeah, it was and blue. It was this like um, sky blue in right. the water, and I'm just like. I know you're using a filter. I can see it. Well, it was, it was meant like to, looking it, through a gel. Right. <laughs> like it was. It meant. works better at in black and white, frankly. For sure, that makes a lot. Of sense. And then the other thing is that 
it's almost like day for night is supposed to look again like a moonlit night. Sure. And the moon has never been that close to the earth, and when it gets that close, we are in trouble. So, <laughs> the yeah. moon would have to take this up is half one of the, the sky. It's like painted backdrops <laughs> and other things that are. It is possible that there are places in the right. world. I guess I am a child of light pollution, so maybe that's on me. But there are um, there are techniques that were used once upon a yeah. time, which I think it's a cool right. technique. Yeah. But it always leaves me disoriented as yeah. to time. Because I'm I'm literally like, well, they know what this looks like. Are they communicating, you know, nighttime to me or like well, it's also a specific almost time? Almost dawn. So that was my That's the other thing. The sun is rising right here. Right. Which I didn't realize. I couldn't track the time uh-huh. for this last bit. Um so, so yeah. They jump into the water. Yeah. He does not let him drown. He does scoop him. And Maria does zoom up. Right. And though fired at, they are not shot. And then they go to pick up Stavros. Yes. Who is wounded. Wounded. He he has some blood on the top of his jacket. Right. (laughs) And as he's in danger of going under... He sees Mallory stick a boat hook in his face, and he thinks, oh, he's going to kill me before I kill him. Yes. And instead, Mallory's actually just sticking he's it. He's like, grab it. Grab, grab it, it so I can grab you. Because right. he swims out, but he's like, I can't. He's almost there. Yeah. I can't make it because his arm is just not yeah. mobile at this point. He's been shot in the arm. So, yeah, and he pulls him up. He pulls him up. And then he takes off his jacket, and that undershirt that uh, was white is all red, all the way to his, like, it was red. Right. I was like, oh. He's bleeding from a lot of different places. And then what happens is that the guns start going. Yeah, then nothing happens. We know mm, that the ships are here. Right. And we see the Germans in the room, and they're looking around. They do find, they find two things. They find a rat stuffed with, like, like TNT explosives. And they do find the, the... chunk of explosives on the gun and they are right. able to take the I happen to know because um, they did a smart thing in the script and the way it was shot was Niven said give me a detonator and you see him give him the detonator and see where he puts it right. and so when the officer at the other side gets the package and he pulls something out of it you know it's the detonator right. um, and I was like hey I don't know what a detonator looks like but I know that's it <laughs> Well, they did yeah. like a really good yeah. job with making this movie. <laughs> it's like the, like the narration at the beginning. Let's make it very clear Let's to people. Let's be very clear. Because a lot of it is very dark and it is hard to see what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a fairly large cast to be yeah. keeping track of who's who and what their motivations are. Um, but yeah, those ship, six ships are there. They The guns go off. Kaboom, kaboom. Right. And they miss all the boats. And the boats still turn. Range. Yeah. yeah. Well, the I don't think they were. They were pretty close. Then the boats turn so that they're face on uh-huh. to the guns, so that they're much narrower to uh, a much narrower target to aim right. at because their radar. I didn't even know this was. I guess that's a thing in World War Two, but it seems crazy. They are radar operated guns. Mm-hmm. Like they're not looking yeah. through sights or anything. They're all mechanically computer run. Um, and so, well, not computer run, they do the calculation well, and then they yell it at the dudes right. and the dudes like, there's like, um, 
a map and they like line up like longitude and latitude. Which it's very much like Battleship. <laughs> and then they do another kaboom, kaboom. And we've seen people go up and down on this elevator that is and supposed to set up the thing. Yeah. And they stop it, yeah, right before. And so we see these giant bullets, which are not bullets, they're missiles, go upstairs. We see how big they are. And he keeps, keeps not, keeps not, keeps not. And then finally we watch it. And they're like, oh, fuck. Like, we did everything we could. We lost right. two of our men. Three, maybe. Yeah. And for nothing, all these people are going to die. And then um, finally, finally, the elevator goes all the way down. And it's glorious. <laughs> and I think we are also treated to a scene of Franklin. Yes. In a hospital. Yes, as it is as it is exploding, because it ex- right. there's a du- a dual explosion. Oops. There's a dual explosion, and then just after that, the munitions go off. Right. And so then it's like a fucking. Yeah. It's like and the it, finale really, of a fireworks show. It turns and, it like into a volcano. And because they were in a cave that was basically open on two right. sides. It just blows the top off this, this right. mountain, and it looks like a volcano. Right. And the heat that would have been produced would Jesus. have like melted the earth. It right. was a volcano for a little bit. Like, yeah, it was nuts. And you you do see Franklin is there. Uh-huh. He looks well. He's in a hospital. He's he's missing a leg. They've amputated. They've amputated, which right. we knew was going yeah. to happen. And he's like. Yeah, little, little fist pump. He's like, I can't like, because I am in a hospital in a place that is technically right. the enemy. So I got to keep this on the DL. But like, way to go, guys! Well, it was his idea. It was his mission. It was if he had failed, yeah, that would have been the he would have been the one take right. Blame he would have taken four thousand deaths or whatever and, plus uh, six. Right, and then um, so yeah, it was the fact that he's probably aware at this point that he was also lied to and that it worked. That everything that I would hope so, right? Maybe not though, because the the aquatic attack was supposed to be taking place at the same time. Mm. So I don't know. I I don't. But know. do you it's think when to... he saw the thing go, he I would have been like, saw, "Oh, this like, was yes. a yeah." I was a safety measure, right, <laughs> or whatever. Which I mean, he did what he yeah that he played he his did. part. He it did. sucks that yes. You know, yeah. being a traitor is playing your part, but also... Well, there's also the relief to know that as as hard as he probably tried to resist... Yeah, and he still st- didn't yeah. give up his people, right. really. The only person he betrayed is Valerie. He didn't give up any United States secrets, any Britain's secrets. Right. Because it was lies, lies that Valerie told him. And then, um, then there's a little tiny, like, three-word conversation between Stavro and Maria uh-huh. um, about like she's like you going back to Crete and he's like yeah I don't have anything else or what like I, that's where I have to be um, and then he's like come with me and she's like I have to be here you saw that they were already burning Mykonos the, or is that the name of the there's another town uh-huh. where the the town where the um, the wedding was taking place right. they're burning out the houses and pushing out the residents yeah. in retaliation for what just happened to them because they didn't kill all of the Nazis. They're right. still there and they're pissed off. Right. 
Because and she's like, I can't leave these people. You saw what they're doing. Yeah. I have to, I have to help. I have to do something. And then, yeah, Stafford was like, uh, I'm not going to go back to Brayden. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to hang out with this lady. <laughs> the, the relief on Mallory's face was like, oh, you found something to live you for. Found thank so- God. Yes, thank God. Maybe now you won't kill me. You might still, but you might not. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. And then that's the end. So was it a thriller to you? I mean, that's a ridiculous it question. It was not a thriller, but it was thrilling. Right. For sure. Never have I been so um, intrigued by what an elevator was going to do. Yeah, there's some... The way that it's shot is right. very, very smart. It's very smart, too. Like I said, it's interesting in all of its corners. Uh-huh. And it's like, it is a... You could watch it by turning your brain off and just being like, war movie with, with explosions and, uh-huh. you know, shooting. Yeah, because it'll be entertaining. You There's could do that. Big stars and everything in the But film. it's like... Also, if you want to think about some shit, here, have some things to think about. Like, it's got another layer to it, which I really like. Good characters. Yeah, and that's... that's uh, uh, Jay Lee Thompson was an English director who never, I don't think, got a great deal of recognition. He was always working, but he didn't get a lot of recognition for how good he was at setting these things up. Yeah. Uh, and he did some really... Uh, let's see... Um, he did a lot of really good stuff, too. Uh, I think the um, Ice Cold and Alex was a war film that that's, uh, you know, certainly deserves a lot of attention about a group of men traveling through the desert and one of them is a traitor, which is... And the, the man who's a traitor is played by... So he likes the traitor concept, or that's a, that's right. a, that's a common thing in his work, Anthony although Quill. it might just be a word... Yeah, Anthony Quayle plays the oh, traitor really? in that group, which is oh, that's funny. Um, oh, but he's so and then, he's so wholesome looking he, though. Right. He's also got a baby face. He directed Tiger Bay, which is I think the first performance of um, oh Lord, it. Uh, let me see if I got this right. Of uh, Haley Mills, he chose her as a child actress. She was uh, John Mills as her father. Yeah, I, I, and then yeah. she. Um, she came by the set one, you know, a uh, set one day when he was working with her father and just thought, oh my God, this person can hold the camera because she was like pretending uh, and copying her dad. And then he's like, no, this this is a leading part. And so that film is about a young girl who doesn't have any friends. She tells a lot of lies to make up for the lack of friends that she has. And she makes friends with, I think it's a Polish or a German sailor who accidentally killed his wife in an argument. And it's a really kind of touching film because you're like, holy cow, that, this girl can act. Right. Um, but he directed, now let me see, Eye of the Devil, which was a film with, um, with, uh, with David Niven again. And so Donald you like Pleasance. to use yeah. people. He used people over and over again. And the one. David Niven and mm-hmm. Donald Pleasance together. Yeah. Because it's a lot of gentility if they want it to be. Also, it could just be a lot. Yeah, and that was kind what of a like fascinating pair. a folk horror film about a man who's called back, uh, David Nibbins called back to his ancestral vineyards to take care of them, but something has to be done because the vineyards aren't ripening this year. So it's almost, oh, okay. in some ways, it's close to like folk horror, like The Wicker Man or something. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then the other movie that he did that was really kind of important in terms of film was Cape Fear. Yes, that's right. The original. And he did a really great job with that one. 
uh, which had uh, Gregory Peck was in it, no? Gregory Peck yeah. and Robert Mitchum. So he did love to use the same actors over and over yeah. again. And he got... Uh, or you just put all your favorites in this movie, and so we're seeing all of the uh, right. the links, you know. This is the spoke of the wheel. Yeah, so he, he is a, he's a good director. One thing that I would love to mention to people is a, and it's something that we were talking about on our trip back today, yeah. is that both the Poseidon Adventure and this film, there is something about, and we'll we'll certainly talk about it when we do the thing, it's like how dangerous a lot of what they did was. Oh, yeah. And the set for the guns was big, the biggest ever Britain, made in Britain. At one point it collapsed and it had to be rebuilt. But the worst thing that happened was that David Niven contracted uh, septicemia and was rushed to the hospital. Oh, was, my God. It was at death's door for several weeks. In the boat, in the in the mm-hmm. boat crash at the beginning. The boat right? crash at the beginning, and uh, so at that point, yeah, every time I see a wet scene in a movie, I'm just like, oh, that right. was a week of hell. That was absolute. <laughs> so, from what I understand, and what I read this afternoon, was that they he he got horribly sick. They were on the verge of shutting down production on the film, and just taking it as a loss on the insurance. Wow. And they were so far into this movie, and there were so many big stars attached and everything, but they're just like, we can't... He's gone. He's been gone for over a month now. Right. And so what happens is that uh, he decided to just sort of like suck it up and go back to the set and do some scenes. And some of them were actual physical scenes he had to do. He did that. At the end of that shoot, he suffered a relapse and was in for seven weeks again. But he finished enough of the film where they were able to put it together. Wow. And he was great. I would not have guessed. The the nice thing about his character is he is sick about what they're doing. Right. So he seems sort of so, forward and everything. Yeah. He, 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 like, this is not a Greek vacation, right? Like, he looks like, I don't want to be here. And maybe that was helped by the fact that he was... Yeah, had blood poisoning. <laughs> yeah, I was I was reading about it this afternoon. There's I was trying to find a, a reliable article because they're all going on about how sick he was. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's amazing to me that that some of the stuff that we saw in the Poseidon Adventure that people yeah. were able to do, like yeah. when Shelley Winters is diving Swimming, underwater right. and this thing, uh, and I'm going, holy cow, that's that's her face. We're following her through this, you know, this this obstacle course underwater. And uh, what used to be demanded of actors back then. Yeah. And you, it's not saying that acting isn't acting now. I'm not, that's no, far no, from no. what I'm saying. But it, there was a point where just you were in peril of life and limb. Not good. Times. This isn't, we're not also not praising right. it like, ooh, the no, good no, old no, no, days. No. Oh, that's yeah. not, um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that ties in with my earlier thought about what war and its environmental impact. Well, filmmaking and right. its environmental impact. Like, I mean, the, the worst story probably ever is, um, and it's not apocryphal apparently, is The Conqueror, uh-huh. which is the Howard Hughes movie that he did where he wanted, Howard Hughes is such a strange guy, he wanted to do a biopic of Genghis Khan okay. starring John Wayne. As Genghis Khan. No, no, sir. Yes. No, sir. And so, John Wayne, Pedro Armendariz, the Mexican actor, was very good. He would have used a slur about Chinese people to describe this character. Pedro Armendariz, Susan Hayward. Okay. Um, with her glorious red hair, and William Conrad, who uh, you know mm. from Canon and everything, playing another, playing Genghis Khan's other brother. So it's 
It's like John Wayne, Pedro Armendariz, and, and William Conrad playing... Not an Asian to be seen. Not an Asian to be seen. Um, <sighs> and they went and shot in the desert. They oh, they... Discovered... There are that, scenes of this movie somewhere? Oh, yeah, the film was finished. Um, I've seen it. The film was no. done. The, <laughs> I the, thought you were telling us about a bad idea no. that happened. Great big earthfuls of the desert were taken back to the backlot so they could recreate some of the desert oh, things from the background. Which, talking about environmental um, yeah. impact, but the worst part of it was this was held on land where they'd done atomic testing. Pedro Mendares, William Conrad, I believe, um, maybe... John Wayne, Susan Hayward, all died from cancer. Was it? Did they? They did it in the Nevada desert, and they, they did it in the desert, <sighs> and they also brought the same earth back to the sand to the back lot so for them to show. Oh, so they okay. were just constantly exposed to it, and so they're just like everyone. Oh, Agnes Moorhead also was in the film. Oh yeah, and she also died of cancer, and it was just one of those things oh, where you're like, my god, Holy that they cow. all just had low level radiation sickness yeah. from this movie, from doing this. This film. racist, <laughs> right? Horrible. And it wasn't like it was a great movie to right. It wasn't like I right. died for my art. You died for racism <laughs> and an ego trip. Woof. That right. sucks. But um, but yeah. So well, the... they used to wrap dudes in asbestos. I promise you that in the thing. Yes. He was wrapped in asbestos. 100% in the 50s, he was wrapped in asbestos. Everything was wrapped in asbestos from 1942 to 1973. But yeah, the issue is I don't know that I can really blame the director producer because I don't think they knew how irradiated the ground was. No, that's the thing. You don't know. But maybe if you know it's any irradiated, you find out there's. You could a hundred bucks. Right. Somebody will come out and tell you how irradiated it is. Yeah. Call the government, and it's probably free. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's. But yeah, do so, some due diligence. But things like asbestos, they didn't know, and then they did, but for a while they didn't. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I I I really have loved this movie for years. It was only when I was in my like mid-twenties and I found out there was a whole different uh, reading for the film. Yeah. And that uh, the writer Carl Foreman had written in a gay subtext to the movie. I love it. I think and it's so it good. It seems very normal for what is... These people are going through. Take anything away right. from the movie. It. it makes them even more right. human and those characters are great as is. Right. But this extra thing of like they have this modicum of hope Right in in this dire, and he says it at one thing. point when Mallory is confronting him about what about those two thousand men on. Yeah, I don't know them. I don't know them, but I know Keith. Yeah. Right. Qu- yeah. Yeah. Uh, Franklin. Right. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know him. I know he's a good man. I know. Right. You might have just gotten him killed for yeah, your boy. Yeah, there's just there. There's a lot yeah. going on there in that scene. It's it's a really good movie. Yeah, he's like, why are we even fighting? That's the thing. Why are we even fighting for that? Right. Countries are going to fucking be at war forever. Why should you and I have anything to do with it? Right. I don't care about countries and those 2,000 men or those battleships. I care about that man in there. I know him. Right. And that's the one I, I don't give a fuck about anything else. It's really, really powerful. Yeah. He's good. Okay. 
Yay! All right. Um, is that the is that the end of our discussion about I think that is the end of our discussion. All right. Yes. So next up, a movie that in no way would ever pass the Bechdel test: Twelve Angry Men. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> well, the, title, the warning's marked clearly on the label. Clearly There's twelve the angry there men. There are twelve angry men, and uh, to my and my question to that is, when aren't there? Um, <laughs> so that's what we're gonna watch for next week. Right. I believe it is on to be to be or not to be. It's T U B I to be. I clicked to make sure it was there, and the MGM logo came right up. So I, I presume then that is the film. Uh, so that is available there. And this, has that ever been remade as a movie? It has been, been remade? remade as a television film. Okay. On HBO, I think. No, All right. maybe it wasn't. That feels right, though. Jack Lemmon like and Ving Rames, who had won the Emmy Award. Okay. No, he won the Emmy Award for playing Don King. Okay. He very famously gave his award to Jack Lemmon. Interesting. Because this was his idol, and he couldn't stand that he was in the same co- the uh, competition with Jack Lemmon, and that he won the award. So he's like, "Nope, I'm gonna give this to you." That's an interesting. Yeah, it was very strange. I remember you're my that. idol. Like, I don't know who I think his idol would be. Jack Lemmon wouldn't be it, right. <laughs> but Jack Lemmon is Jack Lemmon amazing. Is, yeah, I mean, we, he is we just, an incredible actor with an incredible saw, range. Um, the, the China, China syndrome. syndrome, yeah. And seeing this guy, I'm like, like, oh my God, you felt so bad for him when he gets it in the end. Because yeah. he's just like an ordinary person who... Yeah, he's got a the sensitivity in right. his eyes in everything that he does. So you're right. just like, oh, but protect, protect him, though. Even when he's a dick, because yeah. he has played that, too. He's not always the nice guy or the, right. you know... He can be a dick, but you still like, but protect well, him though. <laughs> he has a lot of that sort of Tom Hanks kind of energy to, to yeah. draw that parallel yeah, for modern for audience. Sure. Is like somebody that you like, and then sometimes you see him and you're disconcerted by right, him. Disconcerted, or you're kind of like embarrassed or ashamed for him because. Yeah, you're like, don't look directly at it. Right. It's not, he's not himself today. <laughs> right. And there were some people, like, for instance, that we get, we're going to get next week with Henry Fonda playing yes. that part. Yeah. And there's a world of difference between Henry Fonda and Twelve Angry Men and Henry Fonda in Once Upon a Time in the West. For sure. Where he's just evil. Yeah. There's another actor with a great range. But anyhow. Yeah, there's not a woman on this cast, so get ready for Twelve Angry Men next week. Uh, in the meantime, do you have anything you want to Actually, let's recommend? talk about a movie that you would like to recommend. Okay, I'm yeah. going to agree with your recommendation. So I, I mentioned that we were going to see Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, last week. And we did. Uh-huh. And it was good. It was... It was... Everything, everywhere, all at once. Incredible yes. filmmaking, incredible acting, right. incredible storytelling, incredible character development. It was incredible effects. Right. It's an astounding magic trick of a movie. Right. And I, I could not... I need you to go to the movies and have an open mind, and that is all you yeah, need this, to, to enjoy this movie. Yeah, this film is is literally, like I said, everything all you know, everywhere, all at once. 
because it is at times really deep and profound at times really kind Absurdist. of vulgar and vulgar absolutely and gross. there is gross in here and then there are times, this, these yeah. filmmakers made previous previously made a film entitled Swiss Army Man wherein uh, Daniel Radcliffe and uh, I believe it is Elijah Wood and Daniel Radcliffe uh, Daniel Radcliffe is d- a dead body right that Elijah Wood basically rides at one point, by flatulent power, through like over a body of water, like it's yeah, it's absurdist and gross. That is a thing that they do, but right. they do it in a way that is profound. Well, this film <laughs> is surprising, and I, I don't. It's weird. I read one reviewer who said I could tell you everything that happens in the film, and it still won't spoil it for you. That's true. And I don't want to go that far. We don't want to do that but because you should also not know. Yeah. Much. Just go in. Just go in with a warning that there will be parts that'll be like, Ugh, but <laughs> and other parts where you'll probably be crying, and there'll be other parts where you just. I am moved. not. I was grinning uh-huh. almost the entire time. When I wasn't grinning, I was crying. Right. I had a stupid grin on my face the whole of it. I was just like, what's happening? This is yes. what's happening. <laughs> this is amazing. Michelle Yao, who is, I remember back the in the old of days. The greatest of us. <laughs> right. When she was a model and moved from being a model, doing commercials with Jackie Chan, because they had really good chemistry, doing movies with Jackie Chan, doing action movies on her own. And so that's where I got familiar with her, with the sort of martial arts action thing. And then to know that what she also was, was this astounding actress who does so many different versions of the same character in this film. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yep. Yep. All of the, all of the performance, right. the main four performances are incredible in their own ways. Uh, yeah. No, it's... um. It's a remarkable piece of filmmaking across the board. And it also stars um, Ki Hyu Kwan. You may know him as Short Round. Yes. Who has come back to the movies to... Or that kid from the Goonies. Show us how it's done. Yeah. And I thought that he must have been acting since Mm -hmm. then, but we just didn't know because it was in Asia. Right. But no, he has not acted as an adult until now. And right. he was it's amazing, astounding. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, go see it. It's so good. Stop Stop right now what you're doing. Go see that movie. Go see that movie. You, I'm not a person typically who's like, you have to see it in a theater. Mm-hmm. A communal experience enhances this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and seeing it big enhances it. So... The, like the kind of bewildered laughing that was happening around us. Yes, at random different th- and different people right. thought different things were funny. Yeah, like it. W- yeah, it was incredible. The layers of it. The yeah. Yeah, it's like baklava has so many layers. It's it's nuts. It's Cinematic so baklava. That's what it is. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's, that's it. it. Okay. So, if you have questions or comments or concerns, you could email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching latecomerspod, or you can find us on Twitter. Yes, still on there for now, at latecomerspod. I would like to remind you to please 
please remember to take your medicine. And we remind you, better, better late, late than, than never. never.